Welcome back to the Three Questions Podcast. In today's episode, the guys will answer three questions. Number one, based on Jesus' parable of the rich fool and his statement, life is not measured by how much you own. How do you determine how much is enough and how much is too much? Number two, what is some wisdom for handling family conflict, sibling, spouses, or parent and child? And then finally, besides Jesus, who is one of your favorite people in the Bible and why? We hope that today's podcast encourages you and also allows you the opportunity to share this and also to be able to share the gospel with somebody that you come in contact with today. So let's get right to it. Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast. We take questions from our church family and do our best to answer them from a biblical worldview. All of us have the privilege to serve the Lord's Church right here at Southern Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Doug Melton is our lead pastor. Randy Whittall is our pastor of missions and evangelism. Jeremy Johnson is our pastor of media and community outreach. My name is Daniel Snow, and I get to be pastor of discipleship and young adults. You guys keep sending in great questions. Three ways that you can do that, or you can go to the website, myshbc.com slash contact, or you can text 505-258-2076, or you can email threequestionspodcast at myshbc.com with the number three at the beginning. All the questions will be kept anonymous. And we are going to jump in. Y'all ready? Absolutely. Awesome. What a great day. That it is a good a lot day. of options. There's really no excuse for not sending in a question. I That's mean, all right. All those different we, ways we can get them here. We try to keep the options open. <laughs> and there they are. There's all three. Okay, first question for today is, based on Jesus' parable of the rich fool and his statement, life is not measured by how much you own, how do you know, how do you determine how much is enough and how much is too much? I, I want to kick this off because I, 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 Randy's never heard me say this. So he's sitting here to my left yeah. and, and I want him to hear I'm this. I'm excited. Well, a huge impact that Randy made in my life was when I got to meet him in Peru. He and Sandy were serving down there and we got to, Randy took us to a village and in that village, it was extreme poverty. And yet, the happiest people I've ever seen in my life lived in that village. Yeah. When you saw the children, they're almost always, they have their arms around each other. Yeah. Whenever they're, you're standing there talking to them, if a boy has his little sister or his little brother, I mean, not just like a hand on the back, I mean, just draped holding onto them. Right. And, and it made me think, you know, we've always heard it's not what you know, it's who you know, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I really think it's also, it's not what you have, it's who you have. Mm -hmm. It's the relation, it's the people. Because here in America, we can watch TV or movies, and some of the most miserable people in the world are the wealthiest. Yes. Right. They never seem happy. Yeah. And so... Guys, I just want to kick it off by saying the Bible is always right. It is not in the abundance of possessions. It's it's who you have. Those little boy, that little boy in Peru, he was the richest guy in the world. What would, what do you have? 
well, I've got him. Right. I'm a little brother. Yeah. And that meant the world to me. Right. No, I think you're right. I think, in fact, even in our culture, we've probably seen as, I mean, for the most part, Americans are probably the wealthiest they have ever been in history now. Mm-hmm. And yet it seems like people are always lonely because we've exchanged trying to find fulfillment in things rather than in in people and uh, or even worse trying to find a, trying to find happiness in things rather than in a, a relationship with with the Lord you know I think uh, uh, Paul said you know godliness with contentment is is great game mm-hmm. and uh, and so we try to be content or, or actually I don't know that we, most people ever, are content or trying try, to be or even trying to be content, yeah. um, you know, but you can't, you can't limit that, that idea of having a good relationship with the Lord. That's key to being happy in whatever state you're in. You know, I don't think the Bible ever condemns being wealthy, but it does say it sure make, it sure complicates things for you. Mm-hmm. Makes it harder mm-hmm. to, keep the Lord as our greatest treasure. And that does seem to be the the big idea of Jesus' parable right there, which is a really great story that does capture your imagination. It's this guy that's, he's got abundance of crops, too much to fit in his current barns. So instead of saying, you know, I could probably give some of this away or something like that, he's like, I'll build bigger barns. And it was just this idea of barn building to, to stockpile instead of contribute and and help and be generous and and Jesus is just saying there yeah your life is not made up of what you own make sure you're being rich in a relationship with the Lord and so and and all the messages that come at us and this isn't just 21st century America although it's very heavily here but it's always been the message of pretty much every society is you are what you own and what Jesus is saying here is really radically different. And and I think a helpful kind of prayer for me is is over there in Proverbs 30 when it um when it just says in verses eight and nine, well seven through nine, it says, Two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Here's the first thing keep falsehood and lies far from me. And here's the second thing. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Psh, who is the Lord? Or the, Psh, that was, that was me. That was we, we got not, that. Was, that was, is that, that in the Hebrew that was, thing? Well, it was the, written in italics. It's so. the amplified version. <laughs> yeah. of there the you go. That's right. It's in, it's in the brackets. That's exactly right. Okay. I'm going to read that one more time. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord, <laughs> or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And so it's just that balanced request of God of contentment, like you guys just said. Absolutely. And boy, I love that, Daniel, that it's the too much and we disown God. Yeah. Too little and we tend and we, we're, we're in temptation to dishonor God, mm-hmm. to try to uh, find money our own way. Mm-hmm. Fine, yeah, and uh, boy, that's that's so good. And and guys, the disciples, you remember they said, "Lord, we've given up everything mm-hmm. for you." And yet, later Paul would write, "We were distressed, and yet we we were good. We, we were poor, and yet we were rich." Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, 
it's it's the twenty third Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. Every mm-hmm. good thing that God has for me, He will provide. That's right, and I think that's an that's a perfect definition of what we mean by contentment. Contentment is reaching that point where you say, "I don't want." You know, I'm I'm I yeah. I, I have what I have, and I don't. I'm not desiring more. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Lord's my shepherd. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting because Ecclesiastes says uh, the, the man who loves wealth never has enough. His income never suffices. Yeah. And, and then Jesus would repeat that later when he would say, you know, the love of money is the root of, is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I'd say to kind of answer the, the, the question, when the thought or when, when your thoughts, your worries, your anxieties are more about your wealth or lack of wealth mm-hmm. than you worry about your holiness or your walk with the Lord, then you then money's taken a place in your life that it shouldn't have. Uh, you know, our hearts should ache and and for a, a closer walk with the Lord more than they ache for a bigger bank account. That's good. That's great. Okay. Um, the next question is, what is some wisdom for handling family conflict, whether that's siblings, spouses, or parent-child relationships? Boy, uh, one of the things I've always tried to teach, but I, I really wanted to practice in my own life was to start from the foundation. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Yeah. It's a good reminder. <laughs> it is a great reminder. And, and it's because in our society today, uh, well, they're a distraction or they're mm-hmm. a hindrance or, yeah. uh, and they're going to change your life. And it's never quite stated in a positive way. Right. It's almost like, man, you're going to lose all your freedoms and all that. And we need, we've got to start from the foundation. They are a blessing. Mm-hmm. What a huge gift of grace from God to give yeah. us children. I was going to kind of go with the Genesis 37 approach of just selling off the ones that you don't like. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, no, but Genesis 37 is a great chapter about family conflict. Yeah. You know, you've got sibling rivalries. You've got parents showing favoritism to one child over, over the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got children who have very different uh, goals in life. You know, Joseph, who was having these wonderful visions from the Lord and trying to be obedient to parents and honor his, honor his God and other brothers who were who were not. And it does cause lots of sibling rivalry. Okay, quick side note. Do you think Joseph, early on, which he's a hero to me, but early on, do you think he was a little arrogant with some of his yeah, ways so. he brought at up least he was, the visions? If he wasn't arrogant, he was at least maybe not very uh, discerning in the way he shared yeah. his yeah. Uh, his call and his visions. But he wasn't a good winner. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. a good way. Let, let's be honest. We all know in here our parents loved us the most. Right? <laughs> that's that's right. For that's sure. Right. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. Yeah. I used to tell my girls that when one of them, I'd say, you're my favorite, but you can't tell the others. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so, um, that's awesome. But dealing with it, here's what I noticed. And it's funny because Jacob and uh you know Jacob and you look at him I mean this guy's got a he has got a a lineage that's like royal you know bible royalty you mm-hmm. know he's 
uh, Isaac was the son of promise. His grandfather was the guy with that made the covenant. You know, Abraham who covenanted with God, and even Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. Mm-hmm. But once Jacob has had his encounters with the Lord, we never see in Scripture where he shared any of that with his family, with his children. You know, you never see. And Jacob prayed for his children, or Jacob. You know, like we do with Job, where he would offer sacrifices, yeah, right. you know, in Faithfully. case his children had had sinned or anything. And sometimes, and and maybe some of, and of course, we also see Jacob rejecting the role models of both his grandfather and father, and having a single wife, and him taking four wives, mm-hmm. and and so, and 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 that tended to generate all of this conflict in his in his home. So, um, I'd say one of the great ways to try to face conflict in the home is it's going to sound a little cliche, but it's making sure that you are focusing your family on the word of God, on godly principles of loving one another, being kind and generous with one another, praying for one another and, um, and, and trying to bring that conflict back into a, a biblical perspective, so to speak. Yeah, I would, I, man. That's this. Everything that's being said is so good. I, I would add that in, in my life of marriage and getting to raise sons, um, and then getting to do premarital counseling and marriage counseling and, and work with families. Forgiveness is a key. Mm-hmm. Yes. In in family conflict, because so many times in prayer requests that oftentimes we get. It's something happened, you know, it was Christmas time and we were all in the kitchen and someone said something and maybe a long time ago, that's right. And it's been seven years now and we haven't, and forgiveness is such a key Ephesians 432, be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave us. Mm -hmm. It's really good. A couple of things that come to my mind on these family conflict issues uh, that we see in in the Bible. Patience, which none of us want more of because that means it's going to be tested. But patience, self-control, which really doesn't mean me being in control. It means having myself under control. And so myself being under the control of the Holy Spirit. I can't control what somebody else is going to do. Or say, um, but I can I by God's design I can be in charge of what I do or say. Um, seasons, just the word seasons, I think is helpful when it comes to conflict because seasons come and go. Like this isn't going to be the way it always is. This too shall pass in most cases. Um, one other thing would be pick your battles. Not everything is worth making a big deal out of. Some things are but not everything is um, the whole, a soft answer turns away wrath, I think is really helpful when it comes to this and, and, and different personalities are different ways. And I absolutely know that. And so there's usually, there's going to be someone that's kind of the, the, the temptation is to escalate. And so maybe that's me, maybe that's you. Um, but just knowing that, okay, a soft answer is going to be more helpful here than a yelling match. Absolutely. And Daniel, you said something there that reminded me of a passage of scripture. Whenever Daniel was talking about, we can't always 
control someone. Well, you can't control someone else. Mm-mm. But okay, it reminds me of the very practical advice in Romans chapter twelve: live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And then this word, if it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, mm-hmm. live in peace with everyone. And just know, it's like what you were saying, Daniel. I, I can't. I can keep that person from escalating, right. but I can keep me as far as it is up to me. Right. Do That's my right. best to live at peace. That's good. And Danny, I really like that, that, that. I think it's a proverb, but that a soft word turns mm-hmm. away wrath. It's, it's still a word, a soft answer, but right. it's a soft answer. I don't think the Bible's not saying just keep your mouth shut and right. just swallow, swallow everything right. and let it go on. But it's saying there's a big difference between escalating a conflict and speaking truth in a kind, soft, gentle way into the conflict or being the person who is so docile that you may not escalate it, but internally it's escalating because you're just going to swallow it and then go back and lay in bed and stew about it all night. That's not good. That's not healthy either. Like a passive aggressive scenario. That's a great word because that's what James, I think, is meaning when he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Right. James doesn't say, don't say anything, just clam up. Mm-hmm. And and too often we think, well, okay, well, I'm just not going to say anything. Right. And that's not, it's slow to speak. Slow to speak. speak not never try. speak. That's exactly. right. Just be slow to speak, yeah. slow to anger. That's good. That's great. That's good. One last practical thing that's been helpful to Jenny and I, and not that we get this right all the time, but it's it's almost overly simplistic. But if if you will, in a conflict, if you will restate the other person's position before stating your own, it just does something. It It forces me to have to actually listen to what they said instead of just reloading. Um, like actually listen so that I can say whatever they just said in my own words in a way that, that they would feel satisfied. Like, yeah, that's, that is what I'm saying. So if I can do that, if I can say, okay, so what you're saying is X, Y, Z that either that lets them know, okay, you actually listened. It also gives them a chance to say, okay, actually that's not what I was saying and to, to correct it. But it just, it, there's just something that goes on by just restating the other person's position before you you go into your own. Right. So you're saying we should actually listen. <laughs> see, see, I know you just <laughs> heard me, yeah, Randy. That worked. That's Man, good. I like incredible. That. This guy, practical <laughs> application on the spot. <laughs> okay. All right. Next and last question is besides Jesus, who is one of your favorite people in the Bible and why? Well, I had a hard time coming down to one, one of them would probably be Joseph, Joseph of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like I said, he may have started off with a little bit of arrogance or at least lack of discernment in his mm-hmm. youth, but um, but just his ability, the way things just kept coming at him and at him and at him. I mean, for 22 years, you know, he's sold off by his brothers, wrongly accused by his boss's wife put in jail, yeah. forgotten by people he helps before the promises come true. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, and yet through that whole time, at least in our biblical accounts, 
he never seems to lose his trust or his faith that God is still faithful and good and and going to 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 work this out for his good. So uh, he's one of my one of my favorites. But mm. I, and then another one is the, the Old Testament figure of Caleb. Yeah, I just like the way Caleb his just almost we would call it almost blind trust in God. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing it didn't matter how big the giants were, how tall the walled cities were, how difficult the task looked. He said, we can do this. God's with us. Let's go do it. This is our land. Let's let's take it. And, yeah. uh, and I think, if I remember right, he was the only one of the 12 who actually did fulfill what God told them to do, and that was drive out all of the inhabitants yeah. from the land that he was given. And so, yeah, that's great. I would throw in there Joseph of the New Testament, um, just the way that he, man, what a strange set of circumstances that that he found himself in and how hard to understand this all was. And yet he we just see him faithfully um, obeying what God wants, even when it must have just been really hard to understand. Yeah both in going ahead and taking Mary as his wife, uh, basically adopting Jesus um, as a son and raising him uh, in taking them to Egypt and then back to Nazareth and all of these things. And, and I mean, there's a lot, ton of detail we don't know about Joseph of the New Testament, but we do know that he was just this, I don't know if he was, had a quiet personality or not. That's just sort of how I envision him but just this kind of quiet, faithful strength, a person strong strength. man that just, he was just like, okay, I don't get it, but I'm going to obey. And I think that's, that's just helpful to know that God is really pleased with that kind of stuff. Even if he wasn't like another one for me would be Nehemiah, but, but and Nehemiah was more of this well-known, very kind of high profile leader but he's got all kinds of really cool things about him too. But these are very different guys. Yeah, one definitely. is in a very public position. One is really almost unknown, but both please God. That's so good. Okay, guys, I'm going to go with Enoch. Uh, Enoch from the Old Testament, he lived a long time. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm 60, you know, I'm, I'm knocking. <laughs> That's right. As of happy birthday yesterday. That's right. Thank you, Dan. I looked like for you. Pa- we'd like to pause at this moment. We'd like to pause at this moment just to give a shout out to our 60 year old pastor. Congratulations, right. Doug Milton. You got that right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, guys. A whole new stage of life. Doug. Right. It's a so whole new world. I'm, <laughs> I'm knocking on the doorstep, you know, of, of Enoch's lifetime. But. The, the part that Enoch walked with God and, and, but then, and he was not, mm-hmm. I want to talk with Enoch someday and say, okay, what was that last moment? Like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that and yeah. I'd like to meet him someday. Yeah. That's really good. That's that is, really that good. Is good. You kind of wonder how, how, I mean, how long did it take before people going, I guess he's gone. Yeah, like I haven't like, seen Enoch in a long time. It's been twenty years. <laughs> I'm knocked on the door, no answer. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee was still hot at the table. I don't know. He's gone. Yeah, that's that's good stuff, guys. Okay, 
These are great questions. Thank you guys, as always, for turning them in. Remember, you can subscribe, you can rate, you can share, and hopefully that makes it easier for other people to find. We just want it to be helpful. Jeremy Johnson, thanks a ton for producing this podcast. And until next time, please remember the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions. Thank <laughs> you.